Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel reading this morning is Mark 7, verses 14 through 23, and can be found on page 1564 of your Pew Bible. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him. And he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil comes. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Innocent until... Innocent until proven guilty. That phrase is a simplified expression of how the legal system in this country is supposed to work. And as I just demonstrated, or rather you demonstrated, uh, most, if not all of us, had heard this phrase from time to time over the course of our lives. The phrase is based on a system of law that does not hold a person guilty of a crime until after someone offers proof that the person actually committed the crime. That is the way the justice system in this country is supposed to work. We often don't really think about why is it the way that it is? Why and how did it come to be that way? 
But our system, our justice system is the way it is because of an inability inherent in all human beings. We all share this. This disability that we all share prevents us from instantly knowing someone's guilt or their innocence the moment that we meet them. This very human, this very mere mortal reality prevents us from getting to know somebody until after we spend a significant amount of time with that person. And even then, our knowledge of that person is imperfect. The humankind limitation that I'm speaking of is our inability to directly evaluate the motives and the thoughts of the heart. I know that there are some people that are very good at reading body language and can be pretty accurate about knowing someone's emotional state. Have you ever met anyone like that? Maybe you're like that yourself. Sometimes these people are so good at what they do that they can almost make one think that they can read your mind. But the fact is, no human, well, no mere human can directly read the thoughts or emotions of another. However, God, God does not have this or any other limitation. God knows your mental and emotional process, processes better than you know them yourself. God knows that, well, he knows every person inside and out. He knows our thoughts. He knows our emotions, our motivations. He knows everything. God even knows when you are fooling yourself. In today's gospel, Jesus tells us that God sees sin when it is still in the heart. Jesus said, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Is that opportunity calling? Now, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And God sees our sin even while it is forming in the heart. God does not have to wait for a DNA analysis. He does not have to wait 
for fingerprint comparisons. He does not have to interview witnesses and evaluate their credibility. God already knows. God already knows our hearts. And the verdict is already clear to him. Now consider Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 22. He says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. The Holy Spirit inspired John to write in 1 John 3, 15, everyone, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. These verses teach us that God already judges us by our hearts. If we hate someone or call them names, we have the heart of a murderer and are already guilty of murder in God's eyes. What about the next commandment? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The instant you fantasize about having an intimate relationship with someone who is not your spouse, you have the heart of an adulterer and are already guilty of adultery in God's eye. Now, if we examine any one of the Ten Commandments and then imagine what God sees in our hearts, my heart, your heart, our hearts, we can only imagine that our hearts look like a toxic waste dump of sin. And is it any wonder that the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write in Genesis 6, verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Holy Spirit also inspired Isaiah to write this in Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. A polluted garment. That doesn't sound so really bad, right? Well, it will when I get done with you. Are you listening? When I hear this passage, I am reminded of my children's diapers. I told you. About the time that Tracy and I were starting our family, 
There were some, and, and you get a lot of advice when you're a first-time parent. You get a lot of advice anyways, but there were some who felt that cloth diapers were somehow superior to disposable diapers. We didn't feel that way. Not for a moment. But some people did. We actually were sold on something far worse than a, than a bucket full of cloth diapers. The apparatus that we received at a baby shower was called a diaper genie. And I wish I had never heard of a diaper genie. But let me describe for you, because you might not. For those who do not know what the modern marvel of the past was or what it did, here goes. Have you ever made sausage? Or have you ever seen sausage being made? Well, sausage is, the meat is put into casings, right? Well, the diaper genie is a big diaper casing sausage maker. One puts the used diaper into the top of the dispenser slash sausage maker, and you forcefully push it down into, <sighs> who knows well, into it. And then with just four or five twists of the dial, the soiled disposable diaper is now a segment Part of a segment that could be many diaper sausage links long. It was gross. It was smelly. And it was not used for long after our first child was born. We soon went low tech with an Albertson's bag and an immediate trip outside to the trash can. Whenever I read the passage of Isaiah, now I'm back on point. Whenever I read this passage in Isaiah, I think of the inside of that diaper genie. And those who know me, that is not, I don't want to go there. I want to think, I want to think about puppies right now. Puppies, puppies. I've definitely handled some polluted garments in my time, and I think you all probably have too. This passage from Isaiah teaches us that our righteous deeds, our best behaviors, us being really nice is like the inside of that diaper genie. So if that is true, what must the sin in our hearts look like to a holy God? That's why I am puzzled when people say that they want to give their hearts to God. <laughs> really? Let's just think about that for a minute. You want to gift wrap something worse than the inside of a ripe diaper and give it to God? That is what we would be doing if we offered our hearts to God as a gift. God has a much different plan for your heart and for my heart. 
God is not interested in receiving our hearts as a gift. Instead, he is interested in taking our hearts and putting them to death. Better explain something, Pastor. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this in Romans 6, 3. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. And in Romans 6, 6, he says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And again in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. It's simple as this. When Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus went to the cross, he took our filthy, toxic, sinful hearts with him. And in his death, he put those hearts to death. So what about the big empty space that would be left behind? We cannot live without hearts. So how does God address this problem? Well, on every Sunday, you hear the words of invocation. You say the words of confession, and your sins are forgiven in the words of absolution. Do you remember? Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This is a prayer that asks God to create a clean heart to replace that old sinful heart that Jesus took to the cross. This is also happens in holy baptism. Even as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write about the removal of the old heart, he inspired Paul to tell of the new. Paul said in 2 Corinthians Verse 5, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 17. Paul writes, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he also says in Romans 6, verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, surely we shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. And in Romans 6, 8, he said, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. When the Holy Spirit plants faith in us, he does a heart transplant. He removes our filthy hearts of sin, and he replaces them with new, clean hearts. Now, although we have new and clean hearts, we still live in a sinful world. And temptation still 
attacks us from all directions. And we often suffer defeat. And that is when our new hearts convict us of sin. And they drive us back to that cross. And there, at that cross, we once again confess our sins. And we receive forgiveness for all of our sins. And in this way, God keeps our new heart clean until he takes us away from this world, this world of sin, to live with him in heaven, where our hearts will never be sinful again. Each and every one of us was born with a toxic heart. It was a heart that loved sin and hated God. And over time, our continuous sinning only made our hearts blacker and more toxic. And there was no way that we could give our hearts as a gift to God. Instead, God took our filthy, our sinful hearts, and he destroyed them at the cross. And now through holy baptism, he gives us newly created hearts, hearts that fear, hearts that love, hearts that trust in him above all things, hearts that turn to him in time of trouble and when temptations overwhelm us, hearts that confess our sin in the sure and certain knowledge that God loves us for Christ's sake. And he will, he promises to forgive us. These are new hearts that will live with him in heaven and rejoice before his throne forever. These are the new hearts that God has created in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.